0: Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 372. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today, I have my co host, Corey Romero. Corey, welcome to the new year. Uh, How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Eric. Yeah, doing well, getting right into uh, 2017.
0: You? Yeah, so so are we. We're doing the um, short quarter, Q0, which is only for January at VMware, because we're aligning our quarter to the Dell quarter, so we have been acquired by Dell, and we are still a p- public company, but uh, it's, a, it's a good January. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, excited to be here, and we are spinning up the podcast series once again, trying to do it every week. I think we've got uh, six or eight podcasts scheduled for January and February, so thanks for all those people that are out there that are listening. Uh, today, the topic is vSphere 6.5 security with Mike Foley. Mike, I know you're on the call. Welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks so much.
0: Yeah. Welcome to 2017. Hope your year's going well. A lot of excitement around security these days with everything going on in the world. Uh, and I know that we've released 6.5, which has some new security features in it, and you're going to be on the show to talk about that, correct? Sure am. Fantastic. Um Before we get started, a couple things we should talk about, Uh, vSphere 6.5 released, we announced it last year, and I think on November 15th, 2016, it went GA, so you should be able to get uh, vSphere 6.5 and uh, put that into production, start testing that, uh, engaging with that. Uh, So it is out there. Um, Next week, we'll be talking about NSX off the shelf. So we will continue the podcast series. And the week after that, it's going to be VCSA, Windows uh, Migration. Um, But today, vSphere 6.5 and security. Thanks for being on the show, Mike. Um, Maybe we should start out with what's changed in 6.5 with regards to security. Why is security a thing now?
2: yeah well, you know the whole thing around why security is a thing i've been uh, I've been participating in this podcast geez, i mean how long has it been around since two thousand seven or something like that yeah,
1: seven years uh now.
2: i've i've been from, right from the beginning and um nobody wanted to talk security back then except maybe edward haletki and it's it, if if you look back over i t history the cool stuff comes out, the new stuff comes out, and security is always the conversation that people have once things start rolling out into production. And that's just, that is just the IT maturity process. We've been out there now for a while. For years and years and years, the, the uh, VMware guy could just say, you know, hand wave away the security guy, and yeah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. Can't anymore. The business is running on top of VMware infrastructure so um it's changed most it most probably in the past three years i've been at vmware four years and it's I, I I finally feel like i'm starting to get some traction and um it it it's changed significantly just in the past three years or so
0: security yeah,
2: you know, is coming front and center yeah I,
0: i've definitely seen that i mean it's I've lived that dream where, you know, we talked about security. It was a mention, some of the really tech, nerd guys would spend some time talking about it but most of us they were dealing with vms were much more talking about vmotion and you know vsan and storage and all the new shiny features that were out in being able to run your data center more efficiently and out there somewhere there was a security nerd that was you know was saying hey don't forget about security we can do some cool things with vmware here with security but now even i now you know I'm looking and going, hey, I've, I've seen machines hacked. I have to start locking things down. And we're all, you know, the, the bell curve, the popular people in the bell curve are not really now starting to pay attention to this because we're all finding holes and we're finding that we we're being hacked and that we need to tighten things up and take this really, really seriously. And it is becoming, you know, a high priority for me and I think many others as well. Is that is that kind of a good summary of what we're seeing?
2: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the thing is, is, um, you know, we, we can do security on our Macs or on our Windows laptops, and we can do security with standalone systems. And that's, you know, it's a pain in the neck, but you can, you can muddle your way through it. But when you have 300 vCenters and 4,000 ESX servers and 25,000 VMs, how are you doing that at scale? Right you can't do things piecemeal, and that is the that is the thing a lot of folks are really starting to come to grips with is oh my god I, how do I, I can't do this just for one thing, I need to do it for everything
0: yeah, yeah, because once you start seeing um you know leaks or problems you you just have to apply apply it to scale and and applying to scale is time consuming, right, so having a management strategy in place. That makes sense. Um, so how do we have to do security better? Uh, wh- how is VMware enabling this? Uh, what are you seeing in the industry? What are the trends to try to start tackling some of this?
2: Well, uh, there's, there's really two sides of, the, of the, the conversation. There's security and there's compliance. And sometimes you have to do security stuff in order to meet compliance objectives. And then other times you do compliance objectives that really don't necessarily mean you're more secure. It just means you're more compliant. And in 6.5, we really kind of went towards doing the security stuff and letting the compliance stuff just naturally evolve. So if you're looking at from a, a security standpoint, we're doing VM encryption, We're doing encrypted vMotion. We're doing secure boot for ESX and secure boot for virtual machines. We're doing uh, much, 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 much better logging. And then finally, uh, and and we haven't really talked too, too much about it, we are doing some architectural changes at the ESX level to to, uh, foster even more security down at the hypervisor.
0: Right, right. Okay. I've, I've, I've heard some of these, encryption, uh, securing boot, uh, securing ESXi, uh, handling login. So those are all, you know, you know all, almost individual topics themselves. So maybe we should uh, jump into each, each sure. one of those and talk a little bit about each, each one and what it, what it means. So VM encryption, I think, is new. Uh, maybe we should just talk a little bit about that. I have some questions on, on performance and scalability of encrypting all your VMs. And how long has that been out there?
2: What well, the VM encryption, it came out with
0: 6.5. Okay. All right.
2: And um, the way we're doing it, we're doing it a little differently. Um, what we're not doing is doing encryption within the virtual machine. Because then you have to have an encryption solution for this version of Windows, that version of Windows, this version of Linux, that version of Linux. It starts, if you start thinking about, I've got 2,000 virtual machines and I need to encrypt them, and 60% are a mix of Windows server and Windows desktop and then the rest are all uh you know three different spins of Linux how do you, how do you manage that right how do you manage the key management of all of that it just starts getting crazy so the, we looked at it differently so well if we did the encryption in the hypervisor then we could just apply a policy to a, a virtual machine that is completely agnostic to what is running within the virtual machine. And you get a number of other benefits out of that as well, meaning the guest, the guest OS, has absolutely no access to encryption keys. So even if the guest was compromised, no one's going to be fishing for for encryption keys in the guest because the guest has no idea that its storage and its settings are all encrypted.
0: Right, right, and 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 that that creates separation between all the different different VMs. Um, you right. can't get keys. Uh, that makes sense. Um, when you say policy, can you give me an example of policies for these VMs? Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm wondering so I mean.
2: if you look in six five, you'll see a new um, encryption policy under. Uh, storage policy management right and what you can do with that is you apply that policy against a powered off VM and the disk will be encrypted using um, a very strong algorithm called AES XTS 256 that's actually a 512 byte key so it's it uh, it's a doubled up 256 key and right. all of that encryption is being done at the CPU level using uh, the Intel and AMD AES and I extensions.
0: Okay, that was one of my questions. It's like, what performance hit is gonna this, this going to be? And what you're saying is Intel has built this into the CPU directly.
2: Yes. So every single core of a CPU has these instructions. So if you've got a... 8 core cpu you're essentially able to do eight encryption or decryption threads at a time right i mean we're we're talking like 100,000 foot level discussions here um but when you start talking about performance uh it's more than just how fast can you encrypt the bytes it's it's how much io that vm is generating and then how much? How fast is the storage subsystem that I'm writing to? And if you look at the current generation of Intel processors, those aes i instructions are able to do somewhere between 700 megabits to a gigabit per second throughput of encryption or decryption. And okay. that's pretty darn fast. And from what I'm reading in the trades, uh, you're talking the next generation CPUs coming out sometime later this year are going to be even faster. So the performance discussion is is all fine, well, and good to have, but you have to understand that there's any number of variables in that performance discussion, and that the performance discussion we have today on today's hardware will be a completely different discussion in two to three years because your I.O. will be so much faster, your encryption will be so much faster, and now the performance uh, uh, bottleneck may be in a different place. I mean, Intel is pushing towards near-line speed encryption. You know, they've they've talked about near-line speed encryption going forward.
0: Right, so this is this just becomes because Intel's doing this, and from a performance standpoint, this just becomes a factor of the CPU, just like you know thread cores become a factor of the CPU. You're just enabling this as part of the CPU, and your CPU does X amount of performance, and that's what you get from Intel. Right. Um,
1: right. And, but if your if your
2: VM is generating a petabyte of data uh, a day, you may you know you can do the math of one gigabit per second into one petabyte and start going, wow, this, this is going to take forever to encrypt. Right. You know, there's, there's any number of ways to spin it.
0: So getting back to the policy conversation where you explained the policy, you set policies per VM. Um, It doesn't sound like you set the, 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 the key length on the policy, but there must be other things you can set that are applicable to it per VM.
2: Yes, so uh, each VM will get its own unique key. Um, We are dependent on a third-party key manager, so the vCenter does not manage any keys. It does not persist any keys. It talks to a third-party KMIP 1.1 compliant, so KMIP is Key key Management uh, Interoperability Protocol. So... Uh, we will have a list of key managers. We're working on a certification program, but you can be rest assured that you know 99% of the major key managers, like Thallus, High Trust, um, Vormetric, Gemalto, SafeNet, all those all those ones uh, are all on board with this because you know we're with vCenter just being a client. We we, we are focused more on interoperability. And giving customers the choice of what they want as opposed to saying, here's our solution, and then then coming back and saying, okay, how do we qualify your
0: solution? Okay, that makes sense. Um, And you mentioned memory is not encrypted. Um, I I guess from my own personal just runs-in-my-head question, less less interesting probably for audience, but – are they encrypting and decrypting the OS in real time as its operating OS instructions, or do when the OS loads, does it get decrypted and then the OS runs in kind of encrypted mode, and then you know as it's stored back on disk or whatever, it's encrypted sure. again? Uh, how sure. So let me
2: let me kind of give the, the quick rundown. I, if I have if I have an existing VM, right? Say I have a Windows twenty twelve VM or a Linux uh, VM. Uh, I power off that VM. I right-click on the VM. I, I apply the storage policy. What happens then is ES, uh, the ESX host the VM is on
1: generates uh, randomly generates a key. That uh, then vCenter gets, uh, we'll call that the data encryption key. Okay. vCenter then gets a
2: key from the key manager. We'll call it the key encryption key. And the key from the key manager encrypts the data encryption key. And then what lives in, in in the VM settings and within the VMX file is the encrypted data key and a pointer to where the key encryption key is. So if you were to look through uh, the VMX file, you would see, let me see, you would see something called encryption.keysafe as one of the settings. And then you're going to see a string, a big long string there. Do not edit those strings. Uh, And within that string, you'll see the the alias of the key management system or cluster and then the key ID. So in the example I'm looking at right now, I have a vCenter. It has a, a key management cluster, which has a couple of key managers living in it. The, uh, the key manager cluster alias is called KMS01 and next to that is a number 5 and so when vcenter hits KMS01 and says i need to power on this 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 vm give me key number 5 right okay and then that key is put into is passed never persisted within vcenter never getting written to the database that key gets pushed to all the hosts within an ha cluster and then um, and that key gets loaded into what's called a key cache. And that key cache is not dumped uh, if you do a core dump. And you can't just log into the host and go, dump me the key cache. It, it's, it's pretty safe in there. Okay. That then uh, decrypts the data encryption key. The data encryption key encrypts the disks, and it also encrypts the VMX file, snapshots, disk descriptor files, all the, you know, stuff that lives in the VM home. And then you can apply policies on any of those objects. You could say, I only want to encrypt the, the VM home files, but I don't want to encrypt the disks, or I only want to encrypt the second disk of this VM. You can do so, stuff like that within the GUI.
0: So I'm pretty safe in knowing that once I launch the VM, it's running in memory. It, it's an OS, right? And it's running in memory that what came from the disk, what v, the, the, the VM that came, was a, a encrypted VM that should be fairly clean because it's crypt- encrypted. So it would be hard for people to come in and tamper with it in a, in a real way because the whole thing's encrypted with keys. Uh, once it loads into memory and it's an OS running, then... Then it's unencrypted. It's an OS that's running, right? It's running, so, and so the, you the get way, the virus. The way, this
2: worked, the, the way this works is there is a um, if you're familiar with NSX IO filters, um, there is an IO filter in the hypervisor, and okay. that's where the keys. That's where the key cache lives, and that's where the data encryption keys get decrypted within that key cache that is accessible only by the I.O. filter. So the VM, there's no change to the VM at all. The VM sees a virtual SCSI device which maps to a VMDK file. The contents of the VMDK file are encrypted. If you were to just, you know, mount it somewhere and attempt to look at it, you would see just encrypted blob. The VM sees the actual file system. Because the I.O. comes out of the VM through the vSCSI
1: device, goes through this filter, which does the encryption decryption, and then goes to storage. Right.
2: Okay. Right? So this also means that we're completely storage agnostic. It runs the same on NFS, iSCSI, block storage, uh, vSAN, so on and so forth.
0: Good. Okay. All right. That makes sense. I get that. I get that. Okay. So VMs encrypted, stored, keys managed, um, that's in 6.5. Uh, take a moment to move on. Secure boot for VMs. Uh, I well, take if a I could just
2: add one final thing to the key management. One of the um, – there's a blog article out on, on the vSphere blog I wrote on a whole bunch of new PowerShell commandlets for managing a lot of uh, this from an automated standpoint. The real key here with our encryption versus, say, uh, doing things like BitLocker and, and encryption within VM, uh, other VMs, is manageability. And if I want to, uh, yep, someone put up the, the blog article. Um, if I want to do things that are not available in the GUI, I can do them. So say I'm running Coke and Pepsi on the same infrastructure, and coke has their key manager and pepsi has their key manager using the apis or using the the powershell commandlets i can say encrypt this vm using the encryption policy but getting its key key encryption key from the coke key manager
1: nice very powerful
2: so there's a lot of flexibility or if i say well i'm I'm running the fubar key manager today and i want to move to the Mumblefrats key manager because we just got acquired by a company and that's what they run. All I have to do is re encrypt the the data encryption key, not the whole v m and I can do that with one line of powershell
0: that's 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 scalability um
2: that, that's, how, yeah, how, that's oh, scale part
0: yep. How scale scaled scale is this? I mean, can we run up to you know ten thousand VMs managing managing all my keys?
2: It's going to be very dependent uh, upon your infrastructure, the IO footprint of your infrastructure. Um, it it starts it, it. How fast is your infrastructure, your hardware today? Um, I, I think it's a little early in the game for anybody who's talking at scale encryption to be able to say, oh, yeah, we can run 10,000 VMs on two servers. That That's just not going to happen. You know, that's 10,000 VMs doing no I.O. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, it's, uh, it, it really is, like many other things within uh, a virtualized data center, a, a response that ends up at the end of the day being it depends. Okay, But you can scale up by adding faster CPUs, or you can scale up by adding more.
0: Right. And, and I know that we, we've talked a little bit, you know, I always talk about scalability, but also usability for somebody that's just running 100 VMs, right? That uh, we've built some usability into this so that you can, you, can just, you can accomplish it. Manage it, um, and it's not. In, it's not. You don't need to be a rocket science to con- consume some of this stuff. Hopefully. Yeah,
2: I mean, if you look at some of the examples in the PowerShell uh, blog, uh, you'll see just how easy it is to automate a lot of these things. One of the things that I talk about is, um, you know, the security guy comes in and says, "We need to do encryption. We should do it this way." I'm giving you a better way that fits into the way you do your business today. So for if you already have we'll say a, a PowerShell provisioning script today and you want to incorporate encryption
1: into that you'll look at some of the examples and go I can do that in a couple of minutes right and that's right. where the real that's where the real cost savings is is not in oh I need to buy new
2: hardware I need to do this or I need to do that or or um, uh, it's really in the manageability because if you have to hire more people to embrace a new technology, that's where your hidden costs are. If you can incorporate those technologies, if I'm already doing a create new
1: VM, it's an extra qualifier to say whether or not that VM is encrypted. Okay, got it. All right. Yep. Okay, Makes let's jump on to the next one.
0: Secure boot for VMs. I know that's new. Uh, that's in in the blog, and I should I, I should post this blog as well it, it, for people that are listening to the podcast and aren't in the chat. I'll just say it's at blogs.vmware.com vSphere slash 2016 slash 10 slash what's-new-in-vSphere-6-5-security.html. So you can re. Replay that uh, if you've got the MP3 and and go look at this blog. We'll post it will post in the chat window. Uh, but it, I, I found it, it being an excellent blog that, that, that talks a little bit about each of these subjects. So you can go there and and read that blog and and a little bit a little bit more. So secure boot for VMs. Um, tell let's talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So secure boot for VMs is really really easy. Uh, number one, your virtual machine has to be booting using the EFI firmware. And if you have, we'll say a Windows server that's using the the older style firmware, you're probably gonna have to make changes to the OS in order to move it to the EFI firmware. But once you've moved it to the EFI firmware, then it's as simple as checking a box on the VM options to enable secure boot for that virtual machine. And everyone says, okay, but what is secure boot? Is that TPM, is it this, is it that? TPM is a different technology. Secure Boot um, is a relative, it is part of the UEFI firmware, and what it does is the firmware validates the bootloader against a certificate that's stored in the firmware. And we're going to come back to that when we talk ESXi. So the first thing that happens is the, the firmware validates the boot files against that digital certificate because those boot files are are signed. If you were to get uh, a rootkit installed, that signature would change, would not change to the certificate, and off you go. You're not going to be booting, right? Um, You can go one step further and then have the bootloader check the kernel that's booting against the digital certificate as well. But that's going to be an OS-dependent type of thing. Okay. So the question in the chat is, is ESXi signed with the Microsoft keys, or does it use one of the Linux loaders for Secure Boot? The firmware for virtual machines has the Microsoft keys, the Linux keys, and and uh, new VMware keys, and we are pushing VMware keys out to um, um, to, to vendors over time, but what you will find is the ESXi bootloader and all the other components are dual signed with a VMware key and with the Microsoft key.
1: So you're not going to have to be mucking around with firmware to enable secure boot. So So that's
2: relatively simple from, from a VM standpoint. I think for the whole secure boot discussion, what's even cooler is what we've done with ESXi. And if you look at the way some of the requirements we've gotten down from folks from a compliance standpoint, is we need to validate that no files have changed on the hypervisor, meaning essentially no binaries have changed. Someone hasn't installed a rootkit or um, a uh, you know a, a device driver that does bad things.
1: Right.
0: And, and if,
2: if you look as, at the way
0: ESXI, as soon as your ESI, ESXI has been hacked, then everything above it, you know, falls apart. So I think just everything above
1: it is
2: in question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how right. do we validate at boot time that everything is going to be cool? And if you look at the way ESXI is structured, it's a whole bunch of digitally signed VIBs or v, uh, vSphere installation bundles. And that vsphere installation bundle uh contains you know a G zipped file it um it contains a, an x m l descriptor file and it contains a digital signature file the tar zipped file is signed
1: against a digital certificate well where's a good digital certificate to chain against the e f i firmware right um so what happens is is when ESX boots, it
2: loads those tar-gzipped files and then points the file system into those files. It doesn't take files out of the container.
1: No. Okay. I don't
2: want to say container because then people will get confused. Uh, sure. I'll say package, right? Okay. Yep. Uh, so the files yep. never leave the package. We're just pointing to the contents of the package, which means we only have to validate the digital signature of the package. Okay. So that way... Not every single file has to be signed.
1: That makes sense, right. So, so you're going
0: to secure the ESXI you know packages or tar files, right? the compressed tar files, each are secured with a signature so you can validate that those packages have not been altered. everything right. there So, is,
1: at, so you know, at
0: boot time right.
2: at boot time, the UEFI firmware checks the bootloader against the digital certificate in the, the, the firmware. Then checks the, uh, the bootloader checks the VM kernel against the certificate within the firmware. And then the first process to run by the kernel is the secure boot verifier, which then checks every single Vib. Got it. And so if secure boot is turned on, we disable the ability to do a forced install of an unsigned Vib. So that's going to mean, like is brought up in the chat, what what about with community vibs and third part for third party NICs? Um you're going to not be able to run secure boot for if you want to run unsigned code.
0: Okay. So one question that just pops into my head with this, like, you know, I'm getting this. We've secured it all the way down to the hypervisor now. You have secure boot for the VMs. You have VM encryption. Um, has any of this been audited? Uh, is, are there standards by which we, we say that, you know, VMware has been audited on this Architecture and this implementation to 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 walk around and say yes we believe this is not hackable this is security because we've implemented it this way but then you know some security organization has actually looked at it and said this or is it basically you're just believing us and you know we're telling you this and and then we have to you know be diligent at you know making sure nobody's figured out how to get around it well, that
2: that falls <laughs> under our security response team. They own the responsibility of uh, doing appropriate security testing all throughout the development process. And all of this stuff goes through a number of um, tests. I'll just say that. What okay. tests and who does them and stuff there are things I'm not going to say. Um, if you want to know those things, you're a very large customer and you really do want to know those things, I would reach out to security at uh, VMware.com. They have a a VMware Trust and Assurance Program, and you can come to Palo Alto and have some great sushi in the cafeteria and uh, ask all the uh, deep, dark secrets that you really want to have under umpteen levels of NDA.
1: But, yeah, yeah, we do go
2: through all of that testing And uh, there is uh, a lot more work going on right now around, uh, I mean, we could sit here and pick any number of hundreds of different compliance things. You know, are we going to do HIPAA? Are we going to do PCI? Are we going to do SOX? Are we going to do some European standards? Are we going to do NIST? Are we going to do this, that, so on and so forth? We're going to be looking at picking one, and, and then have everything else kind of chained to that. That's really. And,
0: and think, I think uh, you answered my question to a large degree, which is if you're a big enterprise. You can come in and talk to us, and we have a process by which we take you through, you know, the whole, you know, you sign NDAs and you engage with us and and build your security program appropriately. And then we have security at VMware if you want to ask questions or have issues around this, right? Or just 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 yeah. have things you want to share. And then I believe there's a Twitter account uh, at vSphere Security or or at Mike Foley if you just want to you know spin up a, a quick conversation to get 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 pointed in the right direction, right? So there are ways that you engage
2: be sphere not for everything else
0: <laughs> yeah 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 uh, okay great be secure yep uh for yeah be sphere security um that makes that makes sense so that that answer that did answer my question give the listeners you know some you know process by which we're actually saying you know this is working, And then, you know, we're always, we're always working and moving it forward. And, and then we have ways that you can engage with us if you think there are things that you need to, to, to communicate to us around security. And obviously, we're not going to talk about all the security things that are happening on a day-by-day basis, but um, we are engaged in this space and then we have done this for vSphere. Um, so I, I like ESXi. I like Secure Boot. Uh, we didn't talk about vMotion, and I think uh, looking at your blog article, there's a major, major topic in there around vMotion encryption. You want to take a moment just to mention that?
2: Sure. Um, yeah, so one of, the, one of the things people have been asking for for years is how do we do an encrypted vMotion? Because the, in an existing vMotion today, you are copying over the contents of memory, over an unencrypted network, uh, if someone is sitting there on that network and listening on that network, they could possibly grab information that um, would be considered sensitive in nature. So we looked at that differently as well. Do we want to set up an encrypted network with SSL and all that sort of stuff and IPsec and so on and so forth? How can we make that process easier? And what we decided to do instead is I'm going to right click on a virtual machine, and vCenter is going to generate a one time use 256 bit key and a 64 bit NUNCE. And if you look up NUNCE, it's similar in concept to a counter, right? And then I'm going, every single packet that goes over the vMotion network will be encrypted with the key and the next nonce. And then the, the key and the nonce are added to the migration spec and sent to the two hosts that are involved in the vMotion. So those two hosts are the only ones that can do the encryption and the decryption of that, um, uh, that vMotion
0: so secure key key management to the two, to to the two hosts that are there's involved there's no key in
2: management that. involved because it's a one time use key vSphere just does a random generation of that key after the vmotion is done it's no longer used it's never persisted you can't do a dump all vmotion keys that have been used in the past 2 years type of thing
0: yeah i, I meant vSphere manages the key delivery two to the two right. and, and all right. the transfer and and then it happens and and then you're done
2: Right, and what just came out today is a um, a, a white paper on the performance of that uh,
1: whole process. Let me see if I can get that into the chat. Here we go. Did you get that all read
0: it out just so that people listening in their yep. uh, So lot- uh, there's
2: very little overhead in doing vMotion encryption. It's very, very efficient. It also uses the same crypto libraries, and it, uh, as uh, uh, as the disk encryption, and it also uses aes i to really enhance the the performance.
0: If you if you're one of 3,000 people listening in your podcasts on your car on the way home, you can replay this. It's the article is blogs.vmware.com/performance/201701vSphere6-5-encrypted vMotion-architecture-performance.html. You can go Google that and go take a look at that. That's a pretty cool article. Um, okay, so got that. That makes sense. Thanks for talking about vMotion. We got a, and, a little and bit and of time.
2: The power And the PowerShell commandlets uh, also have some uh, things so that you can do a uh, set. all. The, the, there's, there's three settings for encrypted vMotion. There's disabled, obviously, which is vMotion in the clear there's opportunistic which means if i'm doing a v motion from 65 to 65 it'll be encrypted if i do it from 65 to 6.0, the in, the v motion will still happen but it'll be unencrypted and then there's required which is uh, if i try to do a v motion from 65 to 60 or 55 the v motion will fail because the other host doesn't support it and you can change all of those settings using some of the PowerShell commandlets or within the VM options uh, in
1: the GUI. Okay, great.
0: Last thing on the list that I have is enhanced logging, right? So, obviously, you know, there's not security if you can't go through and audit things. Uh, <laughs> we talked about... Uh, when it when it comes to uh, the the enhancements we've done for logging in
2: 6.5. Yeah, so um, I will say uh, when before I came to VMware, I was at RSA. RSA had at the time a product where you would send all your syslogs to it for doing security incident and event monitoring. And um, I worked with the team that developed that software to incorporate. Uh, An integration into vCenter to pull logs from vCenter and pull them into what was called at the time uh, uh, RSA Envision and I was noticing way back in the 2007-2008 timeframe that the logs coming out of vCenter just were not terribly helpful and if you look at the way logs were designed back then they were really logs that were used by our gss organization g s s doesn't care what the setting was or to they're They're only concerned whether or not it happened and you know give me and turn on verbose to give me the deep dump of what happened from a from a um, you know kind of a code mm-hmm. standpoint. Not yeah, terribly I'm- useful when it comes down to security and i t operations. So um, I helped in, I think it was 2014-ish time frame. Uh, we had gotten a new security PM, and I said, this is one of the things we absolutely positively have to, have to do, and I showed him why. And he agreed, and that started this whole logging project. And we have a team that's, uh, that's working on this, and it really works tremendously well. If uh, if you go on to uh, YouTube, Google VMworld 2016 logging, you'll find my demo there and my whole session, and it goes through all of that, and you'll see just how much different the logging is. So for example, if I make a change to a virtual machine, let's say I uh, change it from one CPU to two CPUs, I get virtual machine changed, Here's what the old value was. Here's what the new value is. Right. Now when you start thinking of that in a security context, how about if it's I have a virtual machine that's on a sensitive
1: network and someone moves it to a non-sensitive network. What I'm going to get in the logs is
2: VM foo has moved from PCI network to non-PCI network. So from a security and compliance standpoint, I'm I'm generating what what I would consider or what I like to call actionable logging. You send that type of rich information downstream to a security incident event management or IT operations logging collector, whether it's Log Insight or Splunk or any number of others. They now have a lot more than vm reconfigured which is what you would get under 5.x and 6.0 that's not right. terribly helpful it, does that mean i need to run down to the data center and hit the big red button or i just go meh and open up another can of soda you you can't make that judgment call because there's not enough data sure so yeah. but in 6.5 you can start i see this as an enabling technology by providing all of this rich rich data where will we be in a year from now when when um, tools are able to take that rich data create very interesting alerts and actions and even remediation actions based on that data and that's really where where uh, actionable logging or enhanced logging is going to really shine is when those those tools take advantage of it
0: yeah that 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 really does help you know, and that scales out right because now you're managing and then you can you can probably set alarms or you know watch points for certain activities that might give you insights into what's happening you
2: know. yeah I mean like you know um i I've got an admin that i'm I'm starting to question what he does, and I'm seeing him doing things that are just totally out of the norm. why did he add a new um Why why did he add a new network adapter to a VM and attach it to that network, for example, right? Or he has full admin privs, and he's right-clicked on that VM, and he decrypted a disk. I will get all of that information.
0: And and to to a large degree, a lot of security isn't done intentionally, right? I mean, when you leave holes open, it's just through daily operations, as, as we were talking earlier, Mike, it's just, it's just changing the way you're adminning and the changing the way that you've got things set up so that you're just not making mistakes, right? And so logging can actually help you just look for things where you're doing things that will leave you vulnerable, right? And, yeah, and, I mean, and, and,
2: and that's, a, that's a great segue into the, 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 the final architectural discussion, um, You know, the biggest threat is misconfiguration or malicious actions. And when I mean misconfiguration, it could be misconfiguration of the technology or um, compromised credentials of an admin or malicious actions by an admin or someone who has those credentials. How do you deal with that? I mean, you need logging in order to – it's that whole trust but verify sort of thing. You can't you can't lock things down so tightly that nothing gets done because you have a business to run. Right, and it really right. ends up being a discussion more around risk management than a discussion around of uh, you know lock down all things. Lockdown down all things doesn't work. Risk management does.
0: Right, and and, and tools for the the innocent guy to be ac- actually be able to just find when I'm accident- accidentally doing things wrong, right? Because um, I don't want to do things wrong, and most people don't want to do things wrong. Uh, and then having tools that you know log things and then be able to, being able to look at it holistically and say, hey, next year we need to stop doing these type of things because we can see this, we have a visibility to it, and that leaves us vulnerable to people that are malicious out there. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that kind of behavior because for me, when I'm running things, I'm not intentionally trying to have insecure systems, but all last week I spent, you know, time trying to lock down VMs because we had an intrusion in some of the servers that I run. Uh, and it's not because we intended to leave it vulnerable, we just weren't doing good management practices and so we left things vulnerable so advanced logging allows me to maybe solve some of that right uh, at right. the same time i get your point of look there are malicious people you get people inside they go in and start messing with systems and leave it vulnerable intentionally this also gives you visibility to to, to identify those those attacks
2: exactly exactly and you know this uh, we could probably uh we've got seven minutes or so left um one of the, the questions that comes up constantly is this whole um, concept of VM escape where malware gets on a VM, breaks down into the hypervisor and takes control. It got so insane for me that I went ahead and I registered vmescape.com. It's a single sheet of here's, here, here's the reality, here's the myth. Um, and what I say to folks that I say there. Is that I am far more worried about admin escape than I am about vM escape
1: right, right.
2: vm escape yep. is vm escape to a security guy
1: is just as sexy as vmotion is to an i t guy sure right
0: yep. we want to think that's happening right
1: right, but yep. what's more likely to happen? your nice. your you know um
2: your campaign manager will have a password that is named password <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know someone high up won't be playing playing by the rules and they're going to be your in to um uh, bad things happening and you can't and if you have every single one of your admins having full administrator privs then and you say, but we're secure, you're fooling yourself. Because now I only have to compromise one of your admins. I've had talks with customers that said, yeah, we have 45 admins that have full access to
1: ESXi and to vCenter. So, oh, great. So I have 45 chances to take you out. But we're secure. Said, Are you people?
0: Right. Yeah. And it's these accidents, that's where I come at it. Because my experience has been that... Nobody in my, we don't even have that secure data. We don't really have all that much running on our servers that that I have to secure. We're community platforms. It's not like we have critical, but it's the annoyance of being attacked that means that we have to figure out what's going on and we have to lock it down because we want, you know, we want systems that are up 99.9% uptime. Maybe there's nobody really trying to get at my data as much as they are just want to say that they brought down the community platform, right? So um, we do have to solve this. We don't have malicious people coming in and trying to steal all my data, but I do have to have a process by which I can look for holes, clean that up so that I actually keep my servers up 99.99% uptime so people can be engaged in the platform. Um, But there are all these malicious people out there looking for these holes um, just to, to, to create havoc for us and mostly just create more system administration time I have to deal with to try to just keep things fairly clean. So um, right. I like, I I mean, like the
2: I, idea. I tell, folks all, I tell security folks all the time, or I ask them a the question of, okay, so your IT folks have a disaster recovery plan if a tornado takes out the data center or a truck drives and uh, hits the pole outside the data center, it takes out the network of the power. What's your disaster recovery scenario for a breach? Right. And yeah, yep. exactly. It's dead silence. Yep.
0: Nine
2: times after ten nine times out of ten, it is dead silence and they go, Oh.
0: Well, and that's what's great about, you know, vSphere six dot five because we do we do we do kind of follow along with we, we run out of vSphere and we put new versions of vSphere on and we look at the new features. And I like that this is such a, a big release of all these features because I can sit down and I can plan this out now and when we get to six five and we implement this stuff, we should be, you know, much more secure and ha- and by upgrading to six dot five and, and dealing with this we can also put policies in place for how are we going to handle emergencies that come up in the future. As I said, I had an emergency the last week and a half where we had to go around cleaning up VMs and, and doing work to, to de-virus things and close holes. So I, I feel that pain personally. So moving to 6 out of five, spending time in this space, getting things cleaned up. I appreciate that VMware is doing this work. Um, and I appreciate, Mike, you're doing this work as well, because, We all have to kind of deal with this so that we can be deterministic on what I get to spend my time on and don't have to go spend my time undeterministically spending a week and a half of my time trying to to, to solve problems that I didn't even know were going to hit me. Right. Right. I mean,
2: you know, if you look at uh, VM encryption, its main mitigation factor is mitigating against someone walking out the door with a copy of your infrastructure and being able to run it elsewhere. Right. Because if they don't have access to the key manager,
1: they don't have access to the data. Right.
0: Beautiful. Well, Mike, it's been great having you on the show. I appreciate all the people that have dialed in. Uh, and we will do some marketing to get this out so more people can listen to this. I think it's been great. I love that you have the uh, the blog article that you can go through and look at. I like vmescape.com. I went and checked that out as well. Um, so, uh, you know, the blog article is definitely blogs.vmr.com vSphere 201610, what's new in vSphere, 65 security.html with some hyphens in there, just go Google it um, and go go read the article. And for people out there, go start looking at 6.5 and and learn a little bit more and put it on a machine and, and start to develop your own plan. Uh, what else can we say? Mike, is there anything else we want to close with? I appreciate you being on the show and being a – follower of the show for the number of years that you have. Um, what else do you want to say on closing here?
2: Um, this is not the end of uh, our, our work on security. There will be more to come.
0: Fantastic. Well, we appreciate you guys who have a brain that can wrap themselves around this and build this stuff stuff for us and uh, keep, keep, keep doing the good work. And uh, thanks for coming thanks on the show. So much. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, uh, next one,
2: week- one thing I will be on the V Brown bag in a couple of weeks.
0: Oh, all right, fantastic. Yep, uh, good, good to make the circuit. Appreciate everybody and getting the word out, and you know, learning about six out five features. Always good to do that. Um, next week, as I said at the beginning of the show, we have a podcast on NSX um, off the shelf. How to get it into production? How to get started with NSX? The week after that, VCSA, we've got a VCSA VCSA series that are going to be coming up, and we have, I think, eight more podcasts scheduled uh, for January and through February, so we're hoping to keep the weekly cadence going this year in 2017. Thanks for everybody being online, and uh, have a great afternoon.